Welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. Thanks to one and all of you for your support of this program. We truly appreciate it. Next two games, Dallas Stars against the Minnesota Wild in Minnesota on Monday and then back at the AAC on Wednesday. And joining us, took a break from his kids' hockey games to, to pop on. I mean, this guy just makes the time and we love him for it. It's the play-by-play announcer of the Wild, Joe O'Donnell. Stick tap to you, my friend. Hey, what's up, fellas? Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, Gavin, always a pleasure. Yeah, just uh, took in a peewee, uh, peewee C hockey game in New Richmond, Wisconsin. Nice. And uh, took third place. Um, I saw Jake's team. I was all behind the bench for that one. And then really? uh, now I'm buzzing to Plymouth, Minnesota to catch hopefully the back half, maybe two-thirds of a squirt b2 championship game so yeah a lot going on here uh aside from the minnesota wild for me yeah does the dynamic change when dad's behind the bench uh, i was a little feisty today i'm not gonna lie it was my first game i could make in the tournament and uh you know i was, I was a little a little fiery at times i think but they got the w in the shootout so we'll take it okay but coach didn't uh didn't draw any bench miners right no i didn't i didn't get kicked out i didn't get yelled at looked at by the ref so all good yeah yeah john cooper drawing one for uh tampa and it made me uh yeah it made, made me think of that all right before we get into this preview we got to talk about last night's wild game i mean i gotta go back and listen to your calls but i'm assuming this was one of the more like enjoyable calls that you've had um because unbelievable to recap for stars fans that don't know wild are down Flurry's racing towards the bench and Columbus gets the puck. Flurry sees that, can see that the net is going to be wild open, wide open to close the game, turns around, races back, dives across the crease. Columbus misses and Wild go down to score, Wild score in overtime. Man, what a game last night, Joe. Yeah, um and part of that, you know, then ties Patrick Waugh for second most regular yeah. season wins all time. And the Wild had lost four in a row going in. They really needed that win. Um, you know, Columbus gets a hat trick from Cole Sillinger. So it was, it was uh, a packed house in Columbus at Nationwide Arena. So really good hockey game. Had a lot at stake for Minnesota. They're really banged up. Uh, five players on IR. They did get Matt Zuccarello back last night. But five players on injured reserve. And they're big names, too. So, uh, part of the reason why Minnesota has been scuffling for the first time under John Hines is is all the injuries, if I'm being quite candid about it. Um, you know, you can say all you want about opportunity for young players and AHL call-ups, but at the end of the day, you know, some of those guys are where they are in the organization for a reason. It's not a knock on them. I hope it's not done come off that way, but just is what it is when you're missing that many big-name players. Um, and, and the Wild didn't put themselves in a good spot this season to – to have a skid like that, right? They, they can't afford to lose three or four in a row because they're already fighting for their playoff lives with, um, you know, about half the season to go. So it was a big win last night. Flurry does what Flurry does, which is always have a flair for the dramatic. Uh, Columbus had a chance to put the game on ice. They couldn't do it, and the Wild got a huge two points thereafter. Yeah, let's talk about Flurry for a second. Um, where do you expect to see him in the next two games against the Stars and 
Um, the retirement talk is out there, obviously, and going for the record. But at the same time, watching the highlights last night, that glove save coming across the crease. I mean, he looks like he still has it, Joe. I mean, he can certainly still play in this league if he wants to. Well, he loves the game and he works his tail off. Um, and Pascal Vincent, who I know you're a big fan of, Gavin, yep. um, you know, he's the Columbus Blue Jackets head coach because of the dismissal of Mike Babcock there right before the season. And he coached Flurry in junior hockey, which I didn't realize until yesterday. Hmm. Um, so they had a chance to catch up after the game. But before the game, um, Pascal Vincent was asked about Marc Andre Flurry. Again, he had him at, you know, 15, 16 years old, barely speaking any English. They were going to send him back. Uh, from the Quebec Major Junior League back to his like hometown, you know, midget hockey team, uh, AAA team or whatever he was playing for at the time, and they just couldn't because of how well he was practicing and showing up every day and his compete level. So they kept him, and I, I guess you could say the rest is history. Uh, and that's 25 years ago almost now because Marc Andre Fleury is, is 39 years old. But his passion for the game has never waned. His compete level has never waned. Uh, he's an unbelievable teammate. Um, unbelievable personality. It's just fun to be around from a media perspective. I think the Wild fans have been treated to catching him in the, the tail end of his career. And he still can have nights like he had last night where he just battles and keeps the team in it and, and knows when it's time to really dial in and come up with that timely save. Is he the Marc-Andre Fleury of you know playing 60 games and winning 35 of them? No. Um, but he is still a great leader on this hockey team, a great person in this game, somebody that when he's gone, the NHL will miss for a lot of reasons. So it's really nice to see him have success anytime he's able to get a win. Yeah, it was also great to see Joe. Uh, a few weeks back, we talked about it on Spits and Suds. You guys were in Pittsburgh, back-to-back Pittsburgh and Boston, and the selection was not to go with Flurry. what could have been his last game in net um, in Pittsburgh. And I know it was a lot of chatter, but he just went out the next night and basically beat Boston, one of the top teams in the league. Yeah. And again, right now, there's no other choice but to play Marc-Andre Fleury because Jesper Volstead, uh, who you could argue is the top goaltending prospect in, in hockey, right? The Wilds' former first-round pick, the young Swede, hasn't made his NHL debut yet. He's been hurt in Iowa. Uh, the last couple weeks. He, he did play over the weekend, so he's got a couple starts now, so you could see him get called up here if Philip Gustafson's not you know, on the men quickly. But you know, quite frankly, the Wild weren't going to play Zane McIntyre um, yeah. unless they needed to, right? He's been backing up Flurry the last week or so since Gustafson's been out. The schedule's allowed Minnesota, because they haven't had any back-to-backs um, in the last couple of weeks, to allow Flurry to play and play a lot. He made four straight starts now for the first time all season. So it's been good to see him get into a little bit of a rhythm. Um, you know, he would love to keep playing and play every night, I'm sure. But ultimately, when Philip Gustafson's back, if he rounds out his game, you know, you hope that you have a really good one-two punch with Gustafson and then Flurry getting some of those back-to-backs and, uh, and some of the other matchups along the way. And if the Wild can continue to play good defensively in front of their two goaltenders, I think they have a chance to hang around this playoff race. And when the Stars last faced the Wild, we had Dean Evason as the head coach, and now we have... Uh, John Hines, who who took over, what kind of differences stylistically are we seeing? I mean, I know injuries changes things, but that aside, what have you seen as far as the differences between Dean Evason and John Hines? Well, I'll take you to what was pretty much said the first couple of days with John Hines uh, behind the bench, which was predictability in the defensive zone. It was the first thing he tried to establish, or at least that's what he told us 
uh, media folks, broadcasters, when he took over, is that he wanted the Wild to be more predictable on their own end, meaning not so much so that they're easy to play against, right? Like, you don't want that type of predictability, but you want your teammates to know everything that's going on so you can be connected and exit your zone quickly, play with speed, get north going fast, you know, into the opposing zone. All those things so many coaches always talk about. But whatever was going on the tail end of the Dean Evison era is that the Wild weren't executing, they weren't playing fast, there's too much east and west, and they look like a slow team. John Hines gets behind the bench, they win a game against St. Louis, they win four in a row, and they look like a totally different team, even though the players didn't change. Not one of them, right? All 20 guys were, you know, there with Dean Evison for his last game, and yet when John Hines stepped behind the bench, they win a game, they get a little bit of confidence, they start executing, they they just look quicker. It's crazy to say that, but that's how they were playing. And, and it started with John Hines telling him, look, basically here are your options coming out of your zone, right? You go back for a puck if you're a defenseman. You know where the options are to exit quickly. Everybody's going to be in their spots. That will allow the Wild to get going uh, the other way with the puck faster. It seems to have worked. He's added other wrinkles since then, obviously. The, the personnel has moved around a little bit. Some of the penalty kill and power play personnel has been shifted with the new head coach. But it started with playing faster, executing more cleanly because of that defensive end predictability. So I was looking the other day and the Minnesota Wild and Dallas Stars popped up just between them. And it was uh, basically they went out and talked about top three rivals in the NHL. And for Minnesota fans, it was Dallas. For Dallas fans, it was Minnesota. Do you feel the rivalry when these two teams get together? I do. Um, but I will also say, if I'm being honest, that the Minnesota-Winnipeg rivalry is right there as well. And nice. maybe even above the Dallas rivalry. And I look, you have the whole North Stars moving thing that will always be there, no matter how much time passes. Um, that's always there. The playoff matchup last year, and up, you know, five, six years ago, whatever it was, those will add to it. Uh, but the Minnesota-Winnipeg thing is real. It's sort of a little bit of a border battle. Um, it is the Wild's closest rival proximity-wise. And it just seems like when those two teams get together, the coaches are yelling at each other. There's fights. There's bad blood. There's uh, suspendable hits and fines being handed out by the league after those two teams play. So um, the Dallas thing is real. The Wild players, I'm sure, have disdain for the Stars players and vice versa. And we saw a lot of back and forth with Pete DeBoer and Dean Evison last year. We'll see how the John Hines Wild uh, era and the, and the Dallas Stars rivalry gets underway here this week. I'm excited for it. But it, it is definitely, Minnesota-Dallas is definitely a legitimate rivalry. And there's times throughout the year, man, where I wish, you know, they played more. Uh, yeah. As much as I like seeing all the Eastern Conference teams and it feels like at times I'm like, man, I, I wish we could make another trip to Dallas or I wish there was more of these because I, I bet you by the end of Wednesday night, there's going to be some storylines and subplots from not only the game, but just those player battles that we'll be talking about. Yeah, yeah, and we talk about injuries and no Haskinen, and although Ottinger is making his way back, should be back soon, no Jake Ottinger, which I know that's going to pain him because he absolutely loves yeah. playing in Minnesota, plus the storyline of, uh, couple of uh, oldies but uh, goodies. Uh, Alex Goligoski still in the league at uh, 38. Ryan Suter playing game number 1,400 last night. I mean, these guys just keep chugging along, Joe. Yeah, they do. Uh, for Goligoski, obviously, maybe not as 
um, a, a mainstay, a suitor if the Wild are completely healthy. At times, he's a seventh defenseman, uh, Galagoski. But, you know, I think it's the last 11 games he's played 15-plus minutes in each of them. Again, they've been banged up. You know, Jonas Berdeen has been out now since uh, the middle, kind of late, late December. Uh, Jared Spurgeon has had three separate stints out of the lineup, including missing the first dozen or so games. Uh, so those are two big losses for Minnesota. And, yeah, you're right. The, the Suter and Goligoski thing, you know, uh, my guess is Ryan Suter is way more uh, despised with the Minnesota fan base than Goligoski is with the Dallas fan base just because of how things ended. And then the Suter cross-checks on Kaprizov uh, last year. So it will be – it's always fun. I enjoy when number 20 is playing in St. Paul at Excel Energy Center and he touches the puck and the booze come out. Um, that's just a fun part of being a fan and, and being a being a fun environment for a sporting event, no matter what sport we're talking about, when the crowd's engaged and the players are, um, you know, they have a, a bullseye on them in some way. I just think it's better for the sport. And so it will be, a, again, one of those storylines I mentioned earlier that will probably sort of come to the surface here the next couple of nights. Yeah, absolutely. And we get to see Erickson Eck tomorrow night and kind of missed him in the uh, playoffs against the uh, Stars. But, uh, you know, He's had a good year, Matt Boldy. Um, I really like Matt Boldy, Joe. I've talked to you about him. I, I just think he's an all-around good player. I'm glad he got the contract. Um, you know, how have those two players fared this year? Well, Eric Sinek has been Eric Sinek, which is why it was such a big loss for Minnesota last year. Um, if I, you know, I don't really have an analogy of a Stars player that kind of fits that mold. You might know better, but just a guy that plays 20 minutes a night was going to finish the game with four or five shots, four or five hits, some blocks. He's going to be in the ear of the opponent, under the skin of the opponent, uh, probably going to bang home a power play goal. I mean, he's just, he's a horse, and everybody hates playing against him. And the guy doesn't say anything. It's not like he's cocky. He doesn't run his mouth. He's not dirty. He just plays hard, and he's in your face, and every single opponent hates him. And so he's just a really fun guy to cover and to watch, and he goes about his business so quietly. Uh, but he's an absolute machine out there. So the Wild really missed him last year in the playoffs. And as for Matt Boldy, he's been on fire since John Hines took over. Uh, he's got like a dozen goals um, in the last, I don't know, 20 games or whatever it is. The biggest thing for him is he's got to play north. He really has to move his feet and play with pace. Dean Everson talked about this too before his dismissal. But Matt Boldy's east and west, and he's not pushing the pace. Um, he's too much skill, too much hands. The puck gets taken away from him. He gets bumped off the puck. He's not nearly as dynamic as a player. So he's got to get to the net. He's got to fire shots. Um, gosh, it was maybe the whoever played last Tuesday. My brain's mush right now. But he had 11 shot attempts. And then the next night he goes without a shot on goal, right? Like, you, you can't have that. Last night he was back to being Matt Boldy. Two goals and an assist. Uh, darn near 10 shot attempts again. Like he has to be that driver of offense every night for Minnesota to not only keep them around the playoff race, but, you know, continue to make sure that contract that he signed last year that you alluded to looks like a good one for both sides. Yeah. You know, the other, um, whenever stars and wild match up uh, and see Matt Zuccarello back on the ice, you know, I think of, and it's hard to believe it was a few years back now that, Zuccarello came to the stars from the Rangers and fit in incredibly well. And a lot of people wanted him to stay in Dallas Yeah, and went to Minnesota and here comes Joe Pavelski to Dallas. So the, the two of them are, are, are kind of linked. 
Yeah, it's interesting when you look at it that way because I hadn't thought about that before, right? A lot of times one guy leaves, well, that sometimes gives you an opportunity to bring in somebody else. Um, I think Stars fans would have loved to have Zuccarello because yep. of uh, his defensive IQ, his hockey sense. He plays a 200-foot game that I think is really underrated across the league. I mean, for instance, I, I didn't know much about Matt Zuccarello's defensive game or his play away from the puck when I first you know, started calling wild games, but it, it's evident, right? He's, he uses an extremely long hockey stick given the fact he's like 5'10", 5'11", um, almost like a telephone pole for him out there. Another interesting thing about him is he'll get sticks from other guys around the league. Like after a game uh, on the road, sometimes you'll see like a, an Austin Matthews stick in the stick bag coming back with the wild <laughs> equipment staff, right? Yeah, it's... it's crazy. And Zuccarello wants it, and he doesn't want it signed. He wants, it, he wants to use it. Like he'll oh, use really? Them, he'll use them in practice. Like He's different like that. and not like it, I've never seen anything like it. But, like, he will go out and practice then with somebody else's stick from a different team. Like, it's just it's, – it's, 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 I don't know if it's a quirk or just he likes trying other uh, twigs from guys around the league, you know, and they don't even have to really fit them perfectly. So, um, it's really interesting. He, he's, a, he's a great competitor. He's a good leader. I think underrated, like I said, defensively. And when he has a little bit more of a shot mentality – I think he's way more effective. He sometimes overpasses. He's looking for Kaprizov a lot. I'd like to see him and number 97, Kirill Kaprizov, get the puck to the net more often. Let's talk about, you know, if the Stars, where can they take advantage of, you know, the Minnesota Wild? Would it be in the face-off circle? Yeah, face-off circle is a huge issue. It has been for a couple of years for the Wild. Um, they've, they have actually trended better the last couple of games. Freddie Goudreau has done a really nice job winning some of his draws lately. Eric Snack is always right around uh, 500. Um, you know, the other night, last night uh, in Columbus, Ryan Hartman was playing alongside Eric Snack, and so they were able to use Hartman on the strong side, right? He's a right shot, so on the right circle. Uh, he had really good success last night. So I think sometimes when you're able to get guys on their strong side, just gives them a little bit better chance to compete. They, the Wild don't have a Jamie Benn, um, you know, a, a, a Sidney Crosby type in the faceoff dot where they're going to win 55, 56, 60% of their draws. Most of their guys, unfortunately, are in that 48, 49% range, uh, which means most nights they are chasing a little bit. So faceoff circle for sure for the Stars. And the other thing is that the Wild being so banged up defensively, Gavin, you're talking about, um, you know, sometimes your 5-6 pairing being out there for a lot of minutes, maybe more than you would like. And so that has been a little bit of an issue for Minnesota. Um, it's just, especially on the road, like Wednesday in Dallas, you can't hide that third de- defense pair as much as you'd like against some of the Stars' top guns. So, um, and boy, Wyatt Johnston. I like watching that kid play. Yeah. It seems like he always kills the Wild, even though he's only been in the league a year plus. Um, you know, he's the type of kid that always seems to have a big night. Again, another young forward can take draws and play in a lot of different situations. Wild are going to want to keep their eyes on him as well. Yeah, Joe, they have an interesting situation, um, not to fast forward, but next year with Maverick Bork and Logan yeah. Stankoven lighting up the AHL right now as far as where to put these kids. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. Yep. It could be a, a trade chip, you know, for the stars at the deadline or, of course, the offseason. 
Um, you know, you hate to move good prospects, but if you want to make a move, a, a splash, the deadline, sometimes it takes a first rounder or your top prospect, right? That's not, that's not breaking news. So a uh, good problem to have. Minnesota thinks that they have the same thing, but maybe on the back end. Uh, Carson Lambos is a first-round pick playing his first year in the American Hockey League. Damon Hunt has been called up this year and gotten a little taste of the NHL. He's a th- uh, former third-round draft pick. And then I mentioned Jesper Volstead in net. Uh, again, you could argue with Askarov in, in the Nashville system, maybe the two best, uh, Dustin Wolf and Calgary as well. Like Those three guys are probably the most well-known, soon-to-be NHL goaltenders. So the Wild think they have a, a good problem as far as defense and, and, and goalies go, meaning coming up through the system, stars are probably feeling pretty good about their forward group moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And for those that don't know, Joe spent a lot of years in the AHL, fought his way to Minnesota, super proud of him, calls a great game, uh, just a real electric atmosphere when you're listening to him call the game. Um, but I do talk about the AHL on this podcast a lot, Joe. And as a guy who worked there for a number of years, the, the, the word I use as far as the difference between the AHL and the NHL is consistency. Is that fair as far as, because I mean, the hockey's so good down there. Some teams do a really nice job. I think Minnesota's one of them in trying to make the AHL as NHL as possible with the meals and the training staff and all the resources that come with that. But at the end of the day, you know, some days you're probably getting off that bus going, man, how much longer can I do this, right? Yeah. Uh, not making as much money in those things. So as much as it is the consistency and learning the game, a lot of GMs and coaches and, and players will tell you it's really about that mental side, right? How tough can you be to grind it out, to wait for your opportunity? Sometimes guys are getting called up when you maybe deserve it a little bit more because of play, but they have a draft status that you don't have, for instance. Um, so that can really wear on guys. The guys that grind it out, stick with it, learn how to win down there, tend to you know find their way up sooner rather than later. All right, Dad, get into that hockey game. This is your double header of hockey today, and uh, <laughs> congrats, man! It's uh, it's uh, awesome to hear uh, coming off the plane in Columbus straight to a couple of hockey games, one behind the bench. You're a beast, my friend. Look forward to uh, grabbing a frosty with you soon. Yeah, can't wait, buddy. Thanks for having me on, and um, catch up with you down the line. Absolutely, my friend. That's Joe O'Donnell, the play-by-play voice, giving us a preview of Wild versus Stars on Monday and Wednesday right here on Spits and Suds. Have a great day, everyone.